opportunity to connect with you. And a simple way that we get to do that is through our connection cards. They're located in the pew in front of you. This is where we put our prayer requests, our praises, and it's also where you can let us know when you're ready to take a next step here at Bethel. Maybe that's into a small group or a ministry. Take some time and check those out during service. Now, some of us might be sitting in these seats for the very first time today. And if that's you, I want to invite you to do something really simple with this connection card. Once service is over, bring it out to the lobby to the welcome desk right before you walk out. At that welcome desk, we have a special gift to say thanks for checking us out. We also want to give you an invite back and answer any questions that you might have. Maybe this is your second or third time with us, or maybe you've even been here with us for a while and you've never let us know that you're here. We would love to see you over there. We have another gift for you, but most importantly, we want to hear how your time here has been so far. Answer any questions that have come up between your first visit and now, and ultimately just connect with you. Alpha Pregnancy Center is having their annual Walk for Life on October 20th, and there are several ways that you can get involved. You can sign up to walk either the two to three mile or the three to four mile walk. You can sponsor someone who is walking, or you can make a donation to the walk. You can even bring something for the Continental Breakfast before the walk begins and just encourage those that are getting ready to walk. We have registration forms available for you at the welcome desk, or you can also register online at www.alphapc.org. Confident Living meets on Wednesday nights here at Bethel. If you didn't get a chance to sign up, we would still love for you to join us. This is a great way to meet new people and build community here at Bethel. It is an encouraging time of digging into God's word with other people around the church. Sign-ups are out in the lobby. If you haven't signed up yet, head out there right after service is over. We are so glad that you're joining us today. Let's welcome Pastor Larry. Now what I want to do is uh, I want to give a special welcome to our friends at Bethel. We're on video today with you, so you're up close and personal. Yeah, you see that? Yeah. Um, we're glad you're with us in the city today. If you're here with us, we actually have a special guest with us today. We're finishing up this conversation about the fruit of the Spirit. And today's the last... Um, fruit that we're going to be mentioning before we wrap it all up next week, which you do not want to miss. But today we're talking about gentleness. And uh, I've asked a, a special person to come here today. His name is Carl Romos. We've known each other for too many years. I'm not going to mention it. We were figuring it out in the back, uh, back from when we both found ourselves um, in family ministries in Arizona. And um, we've watched each other kind of journey through and God use us in the kingdom. He right now is at a church called Bayside in Sacramento. Um, which is a, a large multi-site church, and this is the deal. He is a fantastic communicator, um, and so I'm really thankful that we all um, get to hear God speak to us through him about gentleness. So would you please give Carl Ramos a, a Northgate welcome. So grateful for Larry's friendship and Northgate, thanks for having me this morning and just want to say hello to uh, the Bethel campus, man. We're so glad that you guys join us also. Um, yeah, we are, Larry and I are terribly old, but we hide it in skinny jeans. You can't see, you can't see it. Come on, come on somebody, come on somebody. So, uh, like Larry said, uh, for, we're both from Arizona, spent some time in Arizona, but now living here in uh, Northern California, uh, my beautiful wife, Jen, who's not here this morning, but we have two little babies, they're not really babies, they're seven and four, two little caramel babies, I love them, my wife's white, I'm black, caramel babies, you see what I'm doing there? 
And uh, I love those girls. Uh, but I gotta tell you, when, when we first had the girls, I didn't do anything. When Jen first had the girls, like I, I remember her just like constantly telling me, constantly, Carl, be gentle. Any dads, you know, remember those days? Gentle, gentle. And everything was about being gentle. And I'm like, babe, like I, I, I'm one of seven boys. The word gentle didn't exist in our house. Like, like the only tool we ever had in our house was a hammer. It was it. It was like, if you can't fix it with a hammer, you can't fix it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I gotta build a house, hammer. I gotta open a can of soup, hammer. I gotta put a diaper on somebody, hammer, right? It was like, there's no such thing as gentle growing up. So that, that was hard for me to, to, to kind of get that with our girls. And, and really, there was just some, there's always been something really emasculating about that word gentle. It's like, oh, you're so gentle, right? Like, like the gentle guy doesn't end up with the girl at the end of the movie. <laughs> He's baking cookies or something. So that, that, that idea of gentleness, when Paul writes this to the church in, in, in Galatia, and he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, or, or really what's the character of Christ, what's the character of God, all the other ones make sense, but then he gets to this gentleness, and I'm like, I don't want to be gentle. And, and I don't want to, like, a, a God that's gentle kind of, like, weirds me out a little bit. Because I don't get it. And as I'm studying this week, I, I begin to really see what Paul was talking about and really understanding what the first century church would have understood when Paul used this word gentleness and how this was manifested in the life of Jesus Christ. Specifically in Matthew's account in Matthew 11, this is Jesus Talking, and he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is often preached in church, and it's talking, and we talk about, oh, God wants to take away, the, you know, he wants to give you his yoke. Jesus wants to give you his, his, his yoke. But the first century church, this was an agrarian culture, so they would have understood the whole idea of a yoke being a, a piece of wood that would go over two oxen as they would plow a field, and it was helped to keep them together, but also to help to keep them on course. But the first century listener would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying here. Jesus first says, come to me. So this is an invitation. This is a little bit different than the invitation he gives John and Andrew in first, in, that he gives them in, in John chapter 1 when he says, come and see. It's an invitation, an inquisitive invitation. But here Jesus is calling them to him. Very intimately calling them to them. And he's saying, come to me, all you who are weary or, or, or tired. Anybody tired? Come on. If you got kids, you're tired. <laughs> all who are weary, all who are tired, all who are burdened. He's saying those who are feel like you're, you're carrying something, whether that's an expectation, an unmet expectation, whether that's a, a, a vocation you don't want to be in, whether that's a, a difficulty in your body, in your spirit. And he says, I will give you rest. And Jesus wants to make this beautiful exchange. He said, take my yoke. And exchange my yoke for what you are carrying. Because I am gentle and humble. Jesus is saying, 
I want you to be my student. I'm calling you to be my disciple. This was a call to the early church to enter into the rabbinical system, the system of discipleship, the system of apprenticeship with Christ. And he says, take on my character, which is one of gentleness, one of reliance. But here's the deal. Gentleness doesn't often make sense in our heads or in our hearts because we get it all twisted. Because no one wants to be gentle. You're not going to walk out of this room this morning and get into your car in the parking lot and be gentle. Right? Like that is your time to exert your power over people. Watch out. I'm coming through. But here, the actual translation would have been closely translated to the idea of a stallion. A stallion, a wild stallion that was now tamed. That doesn't mean that that stallion doesn't have the ability to go, the ability to run fast, the ability to exert its strength. But the stallion would find itself under control, which is our definition of gentleness. I broke it down like this, power under control. It's power under control. The power is God's work, is God's doing. The control is how I live out this gentleness in my life. We are fruitful when we are gentle, or we have the character of Jesus, when we are gentle. Not pink sash, long blonde hair, Jesus gentle. I mean, Jesus coming back riding on a horse with king of kings, lord of lords, tattooed on his inner thigh, but knowing that he's coming in to usher in something new. So when he's ushering in, he needs to come in differently than we expected. Jesus could have came in and said, I got the legions of heaven on my side. I'm going to come in and I'm going to just turn this world upside down. But instead, God the Father in all his wisdom chooses for the son to come in the world as a child. As a child to show us this 33 and a half year lesson of what it looks like to have power under control. And the greater impact that happens when that power is under control. I want to share with you a few things just really quickly this morning of ways that you can be fruitful in your life, in your relationships, in your gentleness. We will be fruitful when we are gentle with our critics. Look at what says Titus. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. This is actually a text for pastors and the leaders of the church, but I think it translates beautifully to us. Teach the truth, not your truth, but God's truth. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't 
be criticized, then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about this. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say in this world, you might have trouble. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Listen, we will find ourselves in situations where you will have critics. Where you will have critics. But with our critics, we need to think about the long game. We need to think about the long game with our critics so that we can teach God's truth. Any Costco fans in the house? Come on, come on. Who loves Costco? Everybody loves Costco. Who loves a chicken at Costco? That rotisserie chicken, come on, somebody. We love that rotisserie chicken at Costco. Me and Pastor Larry, we really love that chicken at Costco. Do you know this? Last year, Costco sold 87 million of those chickens. 87 million chickens. And they lost $40 million selling them at that price. They lost $40 million selling them at the price. Well, what's Costco doing? Costco says, listen, if I get you in this store to buy this $5.99 chicken, you will leave here with a jacuzzi. And all the husbands said, amen. <laughs> They're thinking about the long game. When we come to our critics, I've got to think about the long game. So I can't take their criticism so deeply to heart that it changes my trajectory and I'm no longer operating out of gentleness. You know, there's uh, neurons in our body. We've got neurons in our body that are called mirror neurons that will reflect what we are receiving. And typically when aggression comes towards us, our response neurologically is to mirror. But, but what if we held our flesh as captives and we wouldn't allow our critics to interfere with our witness? We're gentle, we're fruitful when we're gentle with our critics. Number two, we're fruitful with our critics when we are, we're fruitful with our gentleness when we look at the outlook differently. It says this in first Pete, second Peter. Next, learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly, gladly letting God have his way with you. If I'm allowing God to be in control, if I'm allowing my God to steer my directions and to steer my desires, then I can easily put aside what I think I want. My outlook shifts when it becomes about what God's calling and less about what I want. I think nowadays we have so many Christians that are fretting because of our preferences. And the second our preferences get interfered on or get bumped against, our outlook on life changes. When I can't have things my way, when I can't have my Burger King Christianity or my Starbucks Christianity, then I, I, I get all out of sorts. And my outlook on God and the community of faith changes. But God hasn't changed. He's saying, learn to put aside your desires. Letting God have his way with you. 
Letting God have his way with me means there should be a gentleness in my spirit. There should be a humility in my spirit where I am under the control of God. We're fruitful when we are gentle with our outlook. Excuse me, with our outlook. We're fruitful when we're gentle with the noise. When we're gentle with the noise. And let me explain this a little clearer. There's so much noise in our world right now. There's so much noise in our world. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. But there's noise vying for our attention. And the noise gets in between the most important 14 inches in our whole body. Between our brain and our heart. And that's where it gets noisy. Every time I open up my phone, every time I log on to Facebook, every time I open up, I watch the news, every time I get into a discussion, you know what happens? The noise. Look, look what it says. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. There's so much banging. There's so much banging. And you know when all that banging happens? We say, we've got to be louder. We've got to be prouder. We've got to be more in charge. Where Jesus, in the midst of a situation that doesn't look too different than the one that we're living in in our modern day, what does he do? He's gentle in spirit. He's gentle in spirit. Jesus could have walked to Caesar's palace in Rome. Jesus could have stood before Pilate and said, let me tell you who is in charge. But rather, what does he do? Silently. Silently is led to slaughter. Because Jesus said, I'm going to escalate when necessary. I'm going to escalate and come up to the volume of the noise when it's necessary. And you know when it was necessary for Jesus? When there was injustice, when there was oppression, when there was division. That's when Jesus said, I'm going to escalate. When, when the church, when the, when the family of God was split and, and was severed and splintered. That's why he goes into the synagogue. That's why he goes into the temple and throws over the tables. Because he goes, you're messing up my father's house. Don't be messing up my father's house. And listen, listen, my friends, come on, somebody. Listen, when we get all up in the noise, we mess up our father's house. When we become clanging symbols rather than voices of reason, rather than voices of, of hope, rather than voices of, of saying, hey, I'm here for the broken and the injustice. I'm here, I'm here for the loss. I'm here for the least of these. And listen. Don't take anything I'm saying right now and hear, oh, there's some political thing. No, no, I'm talking about a Christian thing. I'm talking about a Jesus thing. We are fruitful when we are gentle with our tongues. When we are gentle with the tongue. In 1950, there was a, a tremendous forest fire in, uh, the New, in New Mexico. And as the firefighters are putting this forest fire out, there's a, 
they, they kind of hunker down for a little while and let the, the fire kind of pass over them. But they notice that there's a bear stuck in a tree. The bear didn't fare as well as the firefighters did. And the bear uh, uh, succumbed to a ton of just, just burns all over the bear's body. And it took him uh, about two years to recover. But when that bear recovered, he became, that bear became kind of like the spokesman for fire safety. You guys remember this, kids of the 70s and the 80s? Smoking the bear. Smoking the bear. And what was, what was, his, what was his, uh, his phrase? Only you can prevent, prevent forest fires. I remember being a kid watching those commercials, and he's like, only you can prevent forest fires. I was like, you better chill out, Smokey. Whoa, whoa. I thinking, you know, do I get any matches on me? Like, what am I doing? But, but the point was to make everyone accountable. To make everyone accountable. Now, you may not be spent sending forests on fire, but many of us, myself included, set our relationships on fire with the power of the tongue, with a cutting word to our spouse, with a degrading word to our children, with a short word to our co-workers. What does he say? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. This is where it's about me, and watch the rest is all about others. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may be that it may benefit those who listen. When I'm gentle with my tongue, I am submitting myself and the power of my words under the control of God that I might be edifying to others to build them up, that I may help them with their needs and that they may benefit from the words. Only you can stop that fire in your home. Not everything. Married couples, come on, I haven't been married that long, just 10 years. But long enough to know. It, it doesn't matter where we go to eat lunch. Like, like the stuff, right, right? Like the stuff that we get so upset about that I, me and Jen, that we just go at each other about. That we cut each other about. Are these simple things that it's like, if I was just thinking about her and how I'm building her up, how I'm meeting her needs, and how what, am I, what I'm saying is beneficial to her, it, it changes all of those things. When I'm gentle with my tongue. When we're gentle with our response. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. You see, there's two ways that you can respond to things. You can respond to things proactively or you can respond to things reactively. Proactively or reactively. When I respond proactively, proactively, I'm saying, listen, I understand I understand that there needs to be self-control. When I respond reactively, I'm saying I am other-controlled. You can either be other-controlled or you can be self-controlled. But that all comes from how much gentleness is inside of you. We respond, excuse me, we are fruitful when we are gentle with our opportunities. Oh, I could have put witnesses, but witness doesn't start with an O. 
and this will make sense in the end. It says, it's just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Listen, like a nursing mother who is tender, who is, who is gentle, who is caring, and that's how she exhibits her love. That's how we are to exhibit our love, not only by sharing the gospel, which is key. You've got to share the good news of Jesus Christ, but you've got to share your lives as well. You can't walk into your office space and go, hey, come with me this Sunday to Northgate or you're going to hell. <laughs> People have tried that. Doesn't work. But as I bring the good news of Jesus Christ, but I do it so in a way that it's like, I'm gentle. I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are so that I can share with you not just the gospel, but I can share with you my life. People are so much more likely to hear our witness, to hear your story of salvation. I love those beautiful stories played earlier. To hear your story of transformation when it's done gently. And the best way to do that is by doing life together. Doing life together, slow and easy. And then there's that opportunity to present Jesus. And lastly, when we are gentle with our love, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Jesus exhibits this on the cross. Truly power under control. Power under control as he's, as he's nailed to the cross and, and he's nailed there muttering to himself, my God, my God, what have I have you forsaken me? He's muttering to himself, it is, it is finished. And people are laughing at him. And, and hey, if you're the king, just, just get yourself down. But what does he do? He succumbs to it to show his true power. To show, to, show, to show infinite restraint, to give what was needed for others. To give what was needed for others. So he was completely humble and gentle that we might know the Father eternally. So my question for you this morning is, do you have the power to be gentle? Do you have the power to be gentle? To take on the character and example of Jesus Christ? Because which one of these seven do you need to focus in on? Do you need to address? Do you need to get under control? The benefits I believe, have eternal consequences, but also temporal effects in our relationships. But in this room this morning, there are some of us who, who can't even fathom this because we yet to understand not the character of Jesus, but the person of Jesus. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I, I, I want to know this, Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity in just a little bit 
to say yes to him. But now as we close with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want you just to think for a moment. I want you to think for a moment. Where do I need to see gentleness? Where do I need to see gentleness in my life this week? Is it with my critics? Is it with my opportunities, the noise, the tongue? Is it with my responses? Is it with my love? Is it with our outlook? God, may you begin to do a work in us that we may take on the likeness of your son, Christ Jesus. That we may be gentle in spirit for the sake of those nearest to us and for the sake of your gospel. We love you. We thank you in Christ's name. All God's people said. Hey, would you thank Carl with me? I dropped the thunder. That's great. Uh, I'm actually going to invite all of you to stand up with me, including at our Bethel location. I'll dismiss you in just a moment, but if you'll just hang with me, Bethel, in here at the Benicia campus. Thank you so much for being here with us, but what a powerful message. <clears throat> and uh, here's what I want to say. If you're here today, we don't want to pass up that opportunity. If you're here today, uh, the message is, is, is really simple. When you give up control, there is something powerful that happens. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're in the city today and you don't have that relationship with Jesus.